0: Well, welcome to another edition of The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Beware the Ides of March. Yeah, happy uh, 15th of March to you and to yours. Uh, today is uh, a Wednesday, of course. That means it's Everyone Wednesday here on The Bottom Line Show. And we have a special resource to share with you about empowering you as a Christian to be part of what the author in the book refers to as the Christian resistance. It's not a political manifesto per se, it's really just a matter of saying, hey, look around you, look at how strange the culture has become. Anything you do, basically, to ask you know, ask yourself, is this how Christians would handle themselves in culture? It's getting to the point now where any kind of quote-unquote Christian activity is offensive to somebody. And uh, Dr. James Spencer is going to join me in just a few moments to talk about uh, this uh fascinating new Christian resistance that he writes about in his book with the same title. Here's the thing that is so remarkable about this today. Not only is it going to be a great conversation, I have no doubt, but also the fact that uh, his publisher has been so generous with the book. Now, it's everyone Wednesday, and I know a lot of times we'll give away a a resource, a book, a DVD, something like that, and we'll have, you know, one to give away, and people go, well, I, you know, I mean, if there's only one, somebody else can win it. You guys are very thoughtful and very uh, uh, sacrificial when it comes to who wins what. But today, we have 12 copies of James Spencer's book on Christian resistance to give away that we'll be giving away. So if you want to win one, just call right now. I mean, trust me, we're going to have a great conversation. But everyone Wednesday, everyone who calls, uh, practically, I mean, I, I, I don't want to say everyone who does to them get 15 calls, but we have 12 books to give away. So your chances of winning, absolutely spectacular. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Now part of this Christian resistance that we've seen are the number of Christian parents and grandparents who are showing up at school board meetings, who are asking the questions. And You know, it's, it, it's interesting. It's kind of like with pre-born and the ultrasound. You know, you go to a pre-born clinic and there's an ultrasound machine there and a woman who is expecting has an ultrasound after getting a free pregnancy test and all of a sudden what happens? um, she sees the image of the child there, sees the little kid, you know, smiling or cooing or, you know, whatever, hears the heartbeat and then makes the best informed decision possible as to what to do medically. Now, of course, those of us who are pro-life say, well, yeah, you're pregnant, so you're going to be a mom. But, you know, there are a lot of people who come in, they're pregnant, and they aren't necessarily Christians. They weren't necessarily pro-life. They've never been told that these ultrasound images actually show them pictures of their baby They've been told that this is a blob of tissue and that there's really nothing human about it. And if you have an abortion, it's kind of like having a mole removed and it should be very safe, et cetera, et cetera. And so the ultrasound machine is kind of the ultimate truth teller. Well, in all honesty, by the way, if you want to support preborn, click on the banner at kbrightradio.com and uh, you can make a donation, a $28 donation saves a baby's life. $140 donation saves 5, 280 saves 10. Would love to hear from you. It's interesting though when you look at the truth-telling aspects because when the left sees what happens on school they they love the idea of homoerotic, you know, books and you know, teaching kids about sex. I mean, these are the people who are supposed to be educated enough to know enough, to have enough discernment enough to say, look, what kids need to know in what we used to call sex education is all about human reproduction. It's all about biology. It's all about the mechanics of how things work. It is not to teach five-year-olds how to have sex. That, that should be self-evident. But for some reason, progressives miss that. It's all about ideology. It's all about showing up to school and cat ears and saying, I'm non-binary, and I don't, but who cares if my five, five-year-old classmates, uh, you know, the kindergartners that I teach, that, they, that shouldn't be an issue because this is about me and my expression. No, to heck with the kids and their innocence. Or let's take the, uh, the CRT, the issue, the uh, critical race theory that has become such a political hot button. Remember, critical race theory in Florida, Governor DeSantis vetoed the bill, basically, that said, hey, you can't teach CRT in advanced placement history classes. And people lost their minds. What do you mean you can't teach black history? He said, well, I didn't say you couldn't teach African-American history. But if you look at the tenets of critical race theory, it basically says, in 1619, America was established as an outpost for slavery and white domination, European, this, that, and the other thing. And, And that's the only reason why this country exists. Well, that's not true. I mean, granted, there are some questionable motives as to some of the explorers who came here and wanted to inhabit the areas where, quite frankly, people don't ask the question enough well, how did the Native Americans get here? I mean, they didn't just spring up out of the land. I mean, somebody had to, we know where the center of the Garden of Eden is and all life forms, human life and everything, kind of emigrated from there. But what is it about? Well, you know, there are so many different questions that are being asked of parents and so many other things that are being done in secret. And Florida passed the uh, Parental Rights and Education Act that made it illegal for parents of kindergarten, first, second, third graders to be kept in the dark about what their kids were learning. Well, add Arkansas to the list and their brand new governor, newly elected Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders. The Arkansas Learns Act, Senate Bill uh, 294, Passed the state Senate last week by a vote of 26 to 8. It was signed into law. Apparently it passed the House as well. Uh, Basically what it does is it gives the state the uh, opportunity to adopt a universal school choice program by 2025-26 school year. Students with disabilities, students who are potentially homeless, attending failing schools the previous years, or if you have parents who are active military duty, are eligible to receive vouchers early. This is the educational freedom account. Basically, what the bill does, education is funding Funding is tied to the students. It gives the students 90% of what the schools receive per student in a state funding to support uh, the private school or homeschool education. Now, in California, well, it's like $20,000 per year per child, which is why the California public school system fights tooth and nail to make sure that your kids go to public school or your grandkids go to public school. They want your money. I mean, there are some teachers who really do care about education, some administrators who do, but as far as the unions go, they don't. I know, sweeping generalization, but when you look at the policies that are being put into California public schools right now, they do not care about the health and well-being of your children. They care about money, butts and seats. They wanted to make sure that COVID kept everybody at home. And safe because they didn't want their teachers getting it because you know those little rugrat kids are going to show up with COVID and teachers are going to get it and they're going to die and we don't want to have to pay the lawsuit. But then when they saw California's public school education enrollment drop from 6.2 million to 5.8 million, well, you could do the math: 400,000 kids times $20,000, and all of a sudden, hey, wait a minute, we got to get back in school. Well, in Arkansas, they're actually taking a look at the opportunities universal school choice, Arizona now has this, Iowa has it, Utah has it, West Virginia has it. The bill includes a provision for the Department of Education to ensure communications and materials, quote, do not indoctrinate students with ideologies, with legislation specifically mentioning critical race theory. The reason is they say that the Arkansas Learns Act believes that the CRT conflicts with the Civil Rights Act of 1964, that prohibits discrimination on the basis of race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. The bill reads quote, The secretary shall amend, annul, or alter the rules, policies, materials, or communications that are considered prohibited in indoctrination and that conflict with the principle of equal protection under the law. The bill also prohibits public school teachers from providing classroom instruction on sexually explicit materials, gender identity, and sexual orientation to students prior to the fifth grade. Now Sarah Huckabee Sanders tweeted out, this is an historic win for parents, teachers, and students that will set the education model for the nation. I'm ready to sign it into law, which she did. Every kid will have access to quality education and a path to a good paying job and a better life right here in Arkansas. Now it's interesting because one of the critics of the bill is Carol Fleming, who's the president of the Arkansas Education Association. You know what her gripe was? that the legislation was rushed and that there was not enough time for parents and educators to ask questions about it. Really, a public education union is concerned that parents and educators wouldn't have enough time to read the bill. Aren't these the same people who are foisting sexually explicit material onto the reading list of elementary school and middle school kids, and then they get all hurt when the parents find out that this is what their kids are reading? Remember the 11-year-old boy, maybe you heard about him a couple of weeks ago, who went to a school board meeting? It's bad enough that parents are getting thrown out for reading the books out loud at the school board meetings that the educators, quote-unquote, want these kids to read because, well, there's children in the room and this might be offensive. But these are the same kids that you're giving the books to. You're requiring them to read these books. And yet, if a parent wants to read the book out loud, well, we can't read this in front of the children. No, the children read them undercover, you know, at, at the school library without the kids knowing. An 11 year old boy went to the school district and said, hey, uh, may I read something? And they said, no. He said, well, wait a minute, you're assigning this book. Shouldn't I be able to read it out loud to you? In Arkansas, that's not going to happen anymore. But please notice one caveat that is well worth considering. The parental rights and education bill stopped at third grade. The Arkansas learns bill stops at fifth grade. If we want true and lasting educational reform, it's got to go through all 12 grades. All of the compulsory education, not just in the fifth grade. I mean, the fifth grade is a good start for Arkansas, but you got to look at dropout rates in middle school and high school and then ask the question, why are we stopping here? So kudos to Sarah Huckabee Sanders for getting this legislation through and signing it, literally not quite on day one, but she's only been governor there for a couple of months. And I think she's doing a tremendous job in getting these things actually passed. So good on you. But then again, a woman of faith, I'm not surprised that she's embracing this type of uh, uh, controversy, standing up for what is right, and literally defining the world and following Jesus. So what if you're not called to that? Well, guess what? If you are a Christian and you live in America or anywhere else in the world in 2023, this is what you are called to do. Uh, Dr. James Spencer is a uh, spent more than a decade in educational leadership. He now serves as president of the DL Moody Center, which is an independent nonprofit organization. He also hosts the uh, broadcast weekly on our sister station KLTT in Colorado called Useful to God with Dr. James Spencer. It airs uh, for our KLDC audience. It airs every Monday from 1230 to one on KLTT about an hour before The Bottom Line Show starts. He's written a book called Christian Resistance, Learning to Defy the World and Follow Jesus. We have a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And as I mentioned earlier, we have 12 copies of this book to give away here on Everyone Wednesday. So uh, dial in, 800-227-5278, get your name in the drawing, and then listen in on the other side of this break as Dr. James Spencer joins us next as The Bottom Line continues. or visit kbrightradio.com slash wilsonfinancial and ask about dennis wilson's exclusive real estate-backed six percent investment account wilson financial services for simply better alternatives well today on the bottom line we have a special guest to talk about a special topic that is becoming more and more of an issue that i think christians can't avoid how is it that we in the body of christ uh can overcome what's happening in the world with the good news of the gospel. There's a brand new book out on this topic called Christian Resistance, Learning to Defy the World and Follow Jesus. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. The author of that book is Dr. James Spencer, uh, who after more than a decade in higher education leadership now serves as president of the D.L. Moody Center, which is an independent nonprofit organization in Northfield, Massachusetts, as well as hosts hosting Useful to God with Dr. James Spencer, which if you're listening to The Bottom Line on KLTT today, uh, airs a couple hours before us every Monday. Dr. James Spencer, welcome to... To the Bottom Line Show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is a great topic, because I think for a lot of people, I was I was talking to uh, someone, it might have been Tony Evans or something like that the other day, and I know he's a big sports fan, and we were discussing the fact that Christianity in the United States has kind of been synonymous, right? I mean, if you're an American, you know, more people are Christians, et cetera, et cetera, and I said, you know, kind of, it's Christianity's kind of been a home game for people here in the States. And now I said, I think I think we're playing away games until the Lord returns. I mean, talk about the the Christian resistance. I mean, the the world has become such a huge influence on the church, Unfortunately, not the other way around. Uh, it, a lot of people think resistance. that's not me. I'm not called to that. Talk about why you would disagree
2: well, I think that a lot of what I mean by resistance doesn't mean that we go out and we're pushing against the world so much or we're we're being somehow violent or antagonistic. Uh, the the picture that I have of Christian resistance is uh, more like a dam that you would see holding mm-hmm. back water. Mm-hmm. And so what you what you find is that that water, no matter how uh, tumultuous or calm it may be, it's going to butt up against the concrete of that dam. And the dam has a clear boundary. The water's not going to get through it. And that's the sort of vision that I have for Christian resistance is that there's all this pressure that's coming up against us and, and it's rubbing up against our boundaries, but our boundaries are standing firm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so in that sense, I think every Christian is called to resist the world in that sense, that the boundaries should be clear, that these are things that the world does and these are the things that Christians do. And we're not going to compromise on those aspects. And so every Christian is involved in Christian resistance of some sort.
0: Well, it's refreshing to hear you put it that way, Dr. James Spencer. I, especially when I, I I get emails every day, text messages, you do too, from people saying we have to vote this way. We've got to you know infiltrate this area, this that, and the other thing. It's a call to arms, you know, against the culture. And I don't know about you, but when you were studying for your MDiv. Uh, I never had one class on how to Christianize the culture. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think you did either. I mean, we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel, but there's a big difference between standing firm in your faith and trying to overturn and overthrow that type of thing. Talk about what I mean. The resistance is definitely going to lead to some kind of movement at some point, but what, how, what does that look like in God's economy? In your, in your opinion. Well,
2: I think it's a question of there's a concept called nesting that comes out of um, a a book written by James Gibson back in the 70s, and the way he uses this idea of nesting is, um, you know, a a valley is nested within the mountains, trees Mm -hmm. are nested within a valley, leaves Mm -hmm. are nested on the trees, and so you kind of have a a Russian nesting doll sort of feel to this, where you have the biggest one, and then inside of that are all the little ones, and so as I think about things like political action or or even the good works that we might do on a social level, which are absolutely necessary and appropriate, they can become ends in and of themselves if they're not appropriately nested in discipleship. Mm -hmm. And so discipleship has to be our big category. Discipleship involves us committing to follow Jesus and then learning how to do that throughout the rest of our lives. As we learn how to do that, we're still firmly rooted in this idea of discipleship. That will allow us to become followers of Jesus as opposed to followers of the world. And that is a form of resistance. But then ultimately, we can't just go and adopt some of these other tools as if they're neutral. We can't just go into them and think, well, these aren't going to form and shape me in, in odd ways. And that's just not true. As we participate in some of these other systems, we have to really be firmly rooted in discipleship. And so those those activities should be extensions of our discipleship, extensions of our resistance as Christians, ways that we act within our own boundaries, as opposed to jumping over into the world to try to solve a world problem. Mm. Uh, One of the things I like to say is Christians will leave the world broken and possibly more broken than we found it but our job is not to fix the world it's to live faithfully in a world that only that's so broken only god can fix
0: right right and that that rending that we that we see talked about so often, you know, you see a lot of people who are looking for justice, for example, in the social justice realm, and they'll say, Hey, sometimes you gotta burn things down, you gotta destroy things. And in God's economy, there is a certain level of destruction, but the destruction is the 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 old fleshly human heart, you know, that heart that's been stoned over that says, Hey, wait a minute. I mean, if if, if you're going to allow the presence of God, the Holy Spirit of God to indwell and infiltrate your whole being, it starts there with that kind of breaking down. And so in that sense, yeah, go go ahead, God, keep breaking hearts and doing what you need to do. I love it. Right, right. And I I think there's something to, you know, we can
2: get sort of enamored with the results that we're getting. We can sort of begin to lean toward effectiveness. But really for Christians, the focus needs to be faithfulness. And Mm. when the effectiveness comes along with that, that's fantastic. Right. But, you know, we see numerous biblical examples where that's not the case. We see Mm. Jeremiah be faithful over many, many years and not be particularly effective He's still doing what the Lord wants and he's still making the impact that the Lord wants him to make on this nation that he's preaching to.
0: Yeah. Boy, Dr. James Spencer with us today here on The Bottom Line. His new book is called Christian Resistance Learning to Defy the World and Follow Jesus. We have a link for the book up at the thebottomlineshow.com. And for our KLTT listeners, remember you can hear Dr. Spencer every Monday at 1230 from 1230 to 1 right here on AM 670 KLTT. Um, you know, as you were talking about the effectiveness versus the faithfulness, Dr. Spencer, I could not help but think, and it made me a little sad to think of a couple of major Christian influences in my life who over the past several years we've discovered that there was an effectiveness to their ministry, but the faithfulness with regard to how they lived their, their lives was just, it wasn't even close to being there. And I, I realized that in a results-driven culture, in a consumer-driven culture even, um, capitalism in and of itself isn't bad, but when it's corrupted by greed, and you know, the church falls victim to this too, we run the risk of having to kind of put up a resistance, sometimes even within our own church walls. Uh, talk about what it's like for us to get to using another Tony Evans line, you know, he says, God's not going to claim the White House until he can correct the church house. How do we in the body of Christ look at this resistance and say, okay, we want to push back against worldly influences that might really corrupt us. But what happens when they're in the church and they've kind of been, for lack of a better phrase, adopted and even sanctified?
2: Yeah, it's a really difficult thing. I think that part of what we have to do is persevere, right? And that is part of what the perseverance comes to one of the things that I would really caution people about doing is sort of breaking away from the church. Mm. We're all sinners, right? We all sin in our own unique and wonderful ways. And so, uh, and, and I think that a lot of times leaders are pressured to sin in some very visible ways. And so a couple of things that I would say, number one, um, let's stick with each other as opposed to fracturing apart. Let's Mm -hmm. really focus on restoration as opposed to demonization. Um, and let's make sure that we recognize that uh, even our leaders are in some sense, uh, a reflection of the communities they lead. And that many of the behaviors that we um, that emerge out of leaders, we're cultivating in them in some way, shape or form. We're allowing those things to happen as a community. And so we need to be very careful about putting people in a position where they are lacking accountability where um the the normal accountability structures that we would put in place to maybe give them enough of a downside that they're going to say hey i don't want to do this or enough transparency to say um, my life is an open book i can't do this um we need to make sure those things are there and as a community of faith i think part of our challenge is that as people have gone national and international in their ministries we you and i um Maybe you know, I mean, you mentioned Tony Evans. Uh, I don't know him personally. I've heard him on the radio. Um, and so I really have no connection to him whatsoever in order to hold him accountable. right? The only thing that I could stop doing is stop listening. And so we've got to trust and really build into our local communities a deep, deep sense of how do we hold our leaders accountable? How do we make sure that they are also growing in their faith, that they are being discipled, that they are exercising appropriate Christian resistance? and really focusing on faithfulness and obedience, as opposed to putting so much pressure on them to grow. And that pressure may not be us, you know, sort of standing behind them, pushing them to grow, pushing them to do this or that or the other thing. Mm -hmm. It may just be that we are tacitly rewarding them for the growth that that they already have. Mm. Right. We are excited about that growth. We're privileging that growth in some way. The numbers matter to us and we're excited about them. We're not as excited about the little things, the little acts of faithfulness that really drive the church toward character and drive the church toward conforming to the image of Christ.
0: Yeah, but the big numbers are so easy to count. And they're easy to measure, right? I mean, so yeah, at, that kind of, measure. Yeah, yeah, and that's the I think there is a, another danger that we as Christians face in the world today. Uh, Dr. James Spencer, my guest today here on The Bottom Line, Christian Resistance, Learning to Defy the World and Follow Jesus is the name of the book. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. More of this conversation in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues.
3: Life insurance will never replace the person you love, but that money can help you get through life when it feels impossible. When your life insurance claim is denied while you're already dealing with so much, you need someone on your side. Stephanie Cover of CoverLaw used to work for the insurance companies. She challenges and understands the way insurance companies think. Hire Stephanie to file a life insurance appeal while everything is still fresh in your mind. Don't let the insurance company get away with greedy behavior while you're in mourning. Stephanie Cover will do everything in her power to get you the financial protection which was promised to you as a beneficiary of the policy. The money from the life insurance proceeds can supplement your income so you can support yourself throughout the process of bereavement. Save Stephanie's number or call her now at 877-214-4935. That's 877-214-4935. Or you can fill out a contact form at kbrightradio.com slash Law. Stephanie Cover, She knows the other side.
0: Welcome back to this special edition of The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Everyone wins day today here on the program, and boy, everyone's going to win today. Uh, Dr. James Spencer is my guest. His book is outstanding. It's called Christian Resistance, Learning to to Defy the World and Following Jesus. Basically, if you don't resist the world, you will not observe everything that Christ commanded to do. I mean, basically everything that we are called to do in this culture is counterintuitive. That's why Dr. Spencer wrote the book. And that's why we are grateful that his publisher blessed us immensely with 12 copies of it to give away to you to the bottom line show here today. Uh, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, you're calling in for the book by Dr. James Spencer called Christian Resistance, Learning to Defy the World and Follow Jesus. 800-227-5278. 800 227 5278. 800 227 5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. And also, you may want to call in if you're single and are looking for something to do this Friday. Uh, Don't forget St. Patrick's Day, the special singles event at the uh, Associated Singles Ministry out in uh, in Murrieta. We've got tickets for that comedy night uh, to give away. Got a pair of tickets with your name on it if you're single and want to go. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. You know the old expression, uh, people who won't stand for won't stand for anything will fall for everything. Um, the reality is we're living in a time right now where the world is challenging just about every one of our Christian beliefs. I mean, this is way past the whole idea of having Uh, you know, a a biblical worldview that's kind of counterculture, and sometimes we stand up to the world and say, well, you know, you're wrong and I'm right, but they think they're right. So how do we live as resistant Christians who basically defy the world and follow Jesus, knowing that our goal is to go into all the world and preach the gospel so that some might be saved? We'll talk about that with Dr. James Spencer on the other side of this break as The Bottom Line continues. Dr. James Spencer is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. The book that Dr. Spencer has recently released, it came out just a little while ago, great title, Provocative Concept, Christian Resistance is the title, Learning to Defy the World and Follow Jesus. We have a link for the book up at the thebottomlineshow.com. And James, during the break, I realized as I was reviewing your credentials and preparing for this, a PhD in Theological Studies, Old Testament from Trinity Evangel- Evangelical Divinity School, but your undergraduate degrees in kinesiology, how did it you is. wind up, I mean, that's as the father of a daughter who's finishing a PhD in kinesiology. I mean, Lord knows I've got people exercising me all over, you know, taking care of my physical body. How did you make the transition from joints and marrow and that type of thing to heart, soul and spirit?
2: Well, uh, I was being discipled by a an intern with Campus Crusade for Christ. I was getting toward the end of my undergraduate degree and we were kind of talking about what I was planning to do and where I was planning to go, which I didn't have a real clear idea. Sure. I was personal training at the time. And uh, he sat me down one day and he said, you know, I really think you're too hard headed to be discipled by anyone. Um, You need to go figure this stuff out for yourself. I think Uh you should do an MDiv." Mm. And so uh, it was really my my lack of plans otherwise, that sort of led me into my first theological degree. And uh, during my second year, I I, uh, met a faculty member there at at, uh, Moody Theological Seminary named Walt McCord. And uh, he really encouraged me and um, kind of Pushed me to go into academics, and the yeah. rest was kind of history.
0: I love it. I think that's great, but I understand too. I mean, the the idea a lot of people miss <laughs> that the fact that we do have bodies and you know the body, is the temple of the yeah. Holy Spirit in our soul, but it, that that mind body soul connection is so very important. So I, I appreciate what you bring to the theological conversation, knowing that you have the kinesiological uh, background as well. In the book Christian Resistance, you have a chapter that has a, a provocative title. It shows up a lot in the conversation, especially as we're seeing more of a divide in the church between the so-called traditional or biblical or maybe confessing church and the progressive or left-leaning uh, church that, uh, I mean, quite frankly, uh, is, doesn't really seem to be true biblical christianity but there are a lot of people who feel very devout in their faith nonetheless and one of the words that they keep leaning on is well we're a very inclusive church we include you know all sorts of people and your church isn't welcoming isn't inclusive when you hear that term inclusion what should we as christians look to as a what what do we embrace what do we resist what i what i
2: find really interesting about the term is and and the reason i used it is just for that reason because it's so common now and i think it's become so confused and i wanted to try to clarify. What good biblical inclusion might look like. And in my mind, what Jesus does in his ministry is that he includes himself with others. Hmm. You see him eating with prostitutes, with tax right. collectors, right. with the, you know, sort of the marginalized of society. And Jesus leaves no one out of his ministry. He has come to seek and to save the lost. And so to do that, he has to include himself with the lost. That sort of inclusion is what we should be practicing. We need to be including ourselves with the lost. We don't need to be beyond them or, um, you know, feel like we're above them in some way, shape or form. We're all in need of God's grace. We should include ourselves with those people who are lost. That Mm -hmm. sort of inclusion, I think, is extremely biblical. Now, the flip side of that is that they don't get to be part of Jesus's movement. They don't get to be, be a part of Christ unless they turn, repent, and place their faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. That's just what it is. There, there comes a point, I think, with Jesus where you can get to know him. And we sort of see this in John 6. In John 6, Jesus has fed the 5,000. He's got a group of, of disciples following him. He gives the teaching about, um, you know, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood if you're going to follow me. And many disciples left him that day. And so Jesus has included himself with all of these people. He hasn't He hasn't made himself unavailable to them. And yet at some point, the teaching becomes so hard and so pointed and so convicting that some choose not to stay. Mm -hmm. And I think that whole dynamic is something that we need to get our heads around as a church. That's okay for people to meet Jesus and encounter someone who is friendly and kind and interesting and compelling in many ways. As long as we don't leave them there and we get to those parts where we recognize that Jesus requires decision. And so including ourselves with the lost is really what I have in mind of the chapter. And the flip side of that is allowing them the opportunity to include themselves with us through repentance, turning, and faith in Christ.
0: Yeah. You know, I, th- I think about, the, the, I'm trying to find a, a good analogy for this and being kind of a sports nut, even though you wouldn't look at it by my physique. Please don't put your kinesiology shops on my COVID gut right now. <laughs> but But the idea that we would... You know, have someone who is really just a fan of a sport and they want to come and they, everything is great. And they want to get the best courtside seats to an NBA game or whatever it is. But if you want to actually be on the team, you have to go to the workout. you got to put on the uniform. You have to be actually able to play rather than just kind of be a fan and wear the jersey and sit up in the stands and cheer. And I, I think there's a lot of folks who might think in terms of the church as being a place where, well, the only people who are allowed in here, you know, are people who look like us and act like us and worship like we do. And nobody else is, especially those sinners, not realizing that maybe half of their elder board might be having affairs or cheating on their taxes or something like that. Right. Um, there, there's a certain level of discernment that seems to be fading. I think I just got a, a text message from George Barnett earlier to, to today about During the COVID pandemic, the number of people who hold a truly biblical worldview, by the way he measures it in surveys, dropped from 6% of the population to 4%. And, you know, just in a couple of years, something tells me there are a lot of people who are professing with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, but they don't really believe that he is. I mean, the Savior part they get, the Lord part's kind of lacking.
2: (laughs) Right. We've got a lot of people who have made the commitment for salvation, um, but not a lot of people who are learning to obey all that Christ commanded. Right. And so I I think that, um, you know, a couple of things to say there. Number one, you know, when it comes to church membership and inclusion in a congregation, um, that is, I think, a stickier issue in a lot of ways, because who do you include? Who do you you know? What does that say about who you're letting in those kind of things? But what we're missing in that whole conversation often is that we're supposed to be out in the world. And so, um, it shouldn't be any big secret, um, that we're Christians or that, um, this is what the church is about. Like those conversations should already be happening. And at some point we are, you know, as imitators of Christ, we're the ones who are interesting and compelling and nice and kind and, you know, attracting people in those ways. But then ultimately we have to draw people into a moment of decision mm. and we have to ask them to make that transformative choice. Sometimes that's going to happen at the church. Sometimes it's not. But I think the, the the blurred lines become uh difficult when uh you know churches are allowing people who don't know Christ and who are are persistent in a sinful lifestyle and unrepentant in in obvious ways that we should do a better job of ferreting out, but allowing them to be a part, a full part of the community without ever having any sort of impetus to correct those problems, those sins. Mm. I think that's where we're sort of missing the boat. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even call it an insider-outsider thing. I think it's just a straight-on accountability problem that we're just not correcting one another, rebuking one another with the word of God, and holding each other accountable to to the way we're supposed to live, walking in
0: newness of life. But Dr. James Spencer, it's a lot easier to sit around with our Christian friends and point fingers at unbelievers, right? And say, (laughs) what's wrong with you? Boy, you see what those guys are doing? I can't believe the way they've... Yeah, I mean, that's, boy, guilty as charged. Christian Resistance, Learning to Defy the World and Follow Jesus is the brand new book by Dr. James Spencer, my guest today here on The Bottom Line. James, we've got about 90 seconds left in our conversation. Okay, someone's been listening to this dialogue. They're a little convicted. Hopefully, they're a lot of convicted um not that we set out to you know just make people feel bad about this but rather this is just an eye opening discovery and it's a good healthy conversation I think for people to have what what are some marching orders for those who are now saying okay I realized you know that maybe I was a little out of whack because that's the way I grew up or that's what my church used to teach how do we kind of recenter and refocus so we can really truly demonstrate what you call Christian resistance in the world
2: so what I'll go to is uh, Malachi 3:10 What we have there is we have the Israelites robbing from God by not bringing their tithes into the storehouses. And God tells them, listen, test me, bring the tithes to the storehouse and see if I won't bless you. He's not promising health or wealth. What he's trying to get them to understand is that by holding back those tithes, they are trusting something that cannot be depended on. Amen. And so what we need to do, whether it's in a big act or a small, you know, a small moment, we need to test God through obedience as we obey god we just need to we need to test him and trust that he is going to come through. and so what i would say to people is if you want to practice christian resistance the first place to start is small acts of obedience. things that don't necessarily make sense to you but you're going to test god through that obedience. so just pick something small and do it and experience god through that doing it. experience god through the obedience. and I think that God will show up. I think that God will be an encouragement to you. And I think God will empower you to then grow and develop and
0: change more and more and more. I love it. Well, that's great counsel from Dr. James Spencer. And I, great resource to help energize your faith and kind of maybe pull some of the scales or cobwebs off your eyes and your heart with regard to what Christian stewardship and Christian resistance is all about. The brand new book is called Christian Resistance, Learning to Defy the World and Follow Jesus. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And don't forget, Dr. James Spencer heard every Monday, 1230 to one o'clock right here on AM 670 KLTT. And I encourage you to check out that program. It's just on a couple hours before us here at the bottom line here on KLTT. Dr. James Spencer, great to get to meet you, sir, and uh, to the first of many conversations here on The Bottom Line Show. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you. What a powerful uh, topic of conversation and a great conversation piece from our friend and colleague, Dr. James Spencer, today here on The Bottom Line. Uh, the, uh, the book is up at thebottomlineshow.com. It's really just a very simple manifesto, if you will. It's called Christian Resistance, Learning to Defy the World and Follow Jesus. And the premise is if we don't learn to resist the world, we will never be able to observe all that Christ commanded. And the call to Christ is the call to serve other people, to be in the world, but not of the world. And more and more you're finding this so-called progressive Christianity that's uh, popping up everywhere and more and more Christians rethinking things about marriage and divorce and abortion and homosexuality and things like that nature. And the reality is we've gotten to the point now where a lot of people are drawn to counterculture activities simply because they are of the opinion that, well, I mean, they just like to be different. I mean, (laughs) that's, that's kind of as old as time. But the difference in this case here is saying, okay, well, now guess what? Just being a Christian, just living out your faith in Christ is enough to put you in the counterculture category. And I think it's important for us to understand this. That's why I'm so grateful Dr. Spencer has provided us 12 copies of his book, Perfect for Everyone Wednesday, 800 227 227 5278 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, the book you are asking about is by Dr. James Spencer. It's called Christian Resistance, Learning to Defy the World and Follow Jesus. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and as we continue, we're going to take a look at a fascinating story with regards to that whole standing up for what is right and what is not. I don't know that this is a great example of someone who actually did stand up for what is right. But at the same time, I think it's interesting because we are all going to be faced with these types of situations. And the question is not going to be when is if this is going to happen, it's when this is going to happen. And the question is, how do we respond when the people we thought who were trustworthy turn out to not be trustworthy how do we respond to it uh, one man had a golden opportunity to step up to it did he succeed we'll talk about the case of the Scripps uh, scientists virologist, who had that opportunity early on in the COVID uh, pandemic and how did he do we'll take a look at that coming up next as the bottom line continues my thanks again to Dr. James Spencer, the host of uh, uh, Being Useful to God with uh, Dr. James Spencer that airs on our sister station, KLTT, uh, every weekday, well, actually every Monday, it'll hopefully it be five days a week soon, but every Monday um, from 1230 to one o'clock, just a couple hours before the Bottom Line Show airs on KLTT in Denver. And uh, the book is called Christian Resistance. This is a great, I mean, once you get past the title, wait, I'm not a freedom fighter or whatever. But the subtitle, Learning to Defy the World and Follow Jesus, it just means living out your faith in the modern era. I mean, that's what what it means. Every chapter in this book encourages you to think about uh, how to understand the concepts that are addressed, of course, but how to experience God as you adopt new patterns of life that say, hey, look, God is active in the world. Evil is active in the world. If I am a child of God, I'm going to act accordingly, and I'm not going to follow the evil parts, and how easy it is to get sucked into that. We have 12 copies of Dr. Spencer's book to give away. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. And uh, good luck. I think everyone who calls us pretty much is going to win today. Two examples here to wrap up this hour of people presented with the opportunity to do the right thing And some of them did and some of them didn't. Kind of a startling story out of National City where a woman who had been an elementary school teacher and highly decorated for doing so uh, were basically brought to the reality that this woman was also a child sexual predator. Uh, This is a, a, a woman who's by the name of Jacqueline Ma, 34 years of age, Uh, was a teacher at Lincoln Acres Elementary School in National City. She was literally Teacher of the Year at Lincoln Acres Elementary School in 2022. A Monday a week or so ago, uh, National City Police were contacted by a concerned parent who suspected, this mom did, that her teenager had been having an inappropriate relationship with a former teacher police and school resource officers did a little investigation and they found probable cause. And so Jacqueline Ma was arrested last Tuesday and booked into Las Calinas Women detention facility. Uh, police didn't give any specific case information about the case, no name of the minor, whether it's a male or female. Um, but she was booked, and I'm quoting here, uh, the Times of San Diego says she was booked on, quote, numerous felony charges. Jacqueline Ma was one of five teachers, in 2022, who were chosen by San Diego County Office of Education as Teacher of the Year. And yet, two years—well, a year later, she's in prison because, well, she had an affair with a student. Whether male or female, I'm not sure. This is a growing problem in America. More and more of the teachers who are being accused of grooming students or committing sexual assault with students are women. They're looking at boys who are 11, 12, 13 years of age and saying, wow, which I don't understand. Trust me, if a 34-year-old man was accused of having sex with a 13-year-old girl in an elementary school, no sympathy whatsoever. But you're finding more and more of these like lawyers' rights groups going, well, you know, I mean, maybe the age of, you know, in some states, the age of consent 14. It's 13. It's 15. Oh, my goodness. But notice what happened here. The reason Jacqueline Ma is in prison right now and has been accused of these felonies is because a parent took action, contacted local authorities, said this doesn't seem right. Not that this parent had any skin in the game and saying, let's make sure this woman's in prison. I mean, you want justice to be done, but she took the right course of action. She stood up. She told the truth. I mean, these are biblical values. I don't know if she's a Christian or not, but these are biblical values. So the question is, if you were confronted with that kind of evil, notice there was no social media campaign. There was no picketing and protesting in front of the school. She got on the phone, called local authorities. Sounds like she called local police and local school officials. They did a little due diligence, which means they probably had cell phone communications or something like that. I'm surmising that's not included in the report but this is what happened. So when you're confronted with something that looks a little funky, you do the right thing. And I think God honors that. Now she may be ridiculed and scorned and whatever. Her life is about to change dramatically uh, one way or the other, but I commend this mom for stepping up and doing the right thing. Now, another case also in San Diego that I think is also worth our attention as well. Uh, Recently, The FBI came out with information that most people already knew. There's a U.S. Senate investigation going on with regard to the origins of COVID-19. Remember, we're coming up on the third anniversary of 15 days to stop the spread. You know, where did this come from? And most people who read and pay attention have identified the fact that it was the Wuhan Institute of Virology in the Wuhan province of China, hence the reason many people call it the Wuhan virus. That's where COVID was manufactured. That it was leaked from that lab somehow. Uh, it could have very easily been injected into uh, people who were there and then flown all over the world. Maybe there was somebody who went from China to Seattle and you know different different countries and different cities. Initially, Dr. Anthony Fauci though said no, no, no. You know what happened? Well, th- th- there was a bat virus that 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 actually uh, uh, you know the bats got loose just a couple hundred yards away from here at a a bat virus lab. And the bats got out and bit people and then it all went that way. Dr. Christian Anderson is a British virologist who works with Scripps Research Institute. And he didn't buy the Anthony Fauci line at all. I mean, the, the, the leak actually was recorded in January of 2020. COVID was starting to show up Uh, Anderson and three of his peers had studied the genome sequence of the SARS-CoV-2 and suspected right away that it was basically manufactured in a lab, not in a bowl of bat soup from a Wuhan food court or wherever they were saying. He said, we thought it was just, it was completely inconsistent with expectations from an evolutionary standpoint. So basically, um, they were, you know, they, they had this, they sent an email to Dr. Fauci, January 31st, 2020, the, the three doctors in question, uh, Dr. Michael Farzon of Scripps, Dr. Robert Gary of Tulane, and Dr. Robert Holmes of the University of Sydney, uh, also conferred with what Christian Anderson was saying. They were sure that COVID was engineered. Then they had a follow-up conference call with Dr. Fauci a couple days later. After that call, and then an email from Dr. Fauci's then boss, Dr. Francis Collins, at the National Institute of Health, warning that traction for the lab leak theory could mean, quote, the voices of conspiracy will quickly dominate, doing great potential harm to science and international harmony. So by February the fourth, Christian Anderson changed his mind. What was the end result of Christian Anderson changing his mind? I'll tell you about it coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to this Everyone Wednesday edition of The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Uh, Dr. James Spencer's book is still up for grabs. We have 12 copies of them. Uh, the <laughs> Literally, Christian Resistance is the name of the topic. Basically, standing up for your Christian beliefs in, in the culture and living. It doesn't mean you have to go on a political tirade. Right? It just means be a Christian, be a believer. Um, we've got a link for the book at thebottomlineshow.com. We've got 12 copies of the book we're giving away today, 800-227-5278. That's code for your chances of winning are very good. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. Uh, that's the number to get you through to the bottom line. Um, it's interesting. Dr. Christian Anderson with Scripps was one of the first researchers to challenge the uh, bat soup or bat flying out of a lab or whatever it was theory that Dr. Fauci had shared about the start of COVID. And as we approach the third anniversary of 15 days to stop the spread, I thought it was appropriate to look at this. Uh, Daily Wire is reporting that when he and three colleagues actually approached Dr. Fauci via email, uh, they got a phone call back from him saying, Don't do that. And then By February the 2nd, this was at the end of January that the email and phone took place. Uh, By February 2nd, there was an email from Dr. Francis Collins. Now, I bring up Dr. Francis Collins again because this is a man who founded BioLogos and professes to be a Christian. Dr. Collins wrote to Dr. Fauci and Dr. Anderson and others and, and said, and I'm quoting him here, this is from an email obtained by the Freedom of Information Act, that traction, this is a quote now, Traction for the lab leak theory would mean the voices of conspiracy will quickly dominate, doing great potential harm to science and international harmony. So Dr. Anderson changed his mind. Two days later, he characterized claims about the bat virus was a a crackpot theory about COVID's origin that in March, he co-published a paper in the Journal of Natural Medicine that declared COVID was not made in a laboratory, and it was not purposely manipulated. What happened next? A couple months later, the National Institutes of Health granted a $1.88 million research grant to none other than Dr. Christian Anderson. Now, it's interesting because the only reason people know about Anderson's original email to Dr. Fauci is because BuzzFeed News, a year later, filed a Freedom of Information Act request and basically the about face of Christian Anderson that lent credibility to the insistence by Dr. Fauci that this couldn't be anything other than that um, wound up getting him a $1.88 million grant and it spread the lie even further. You talk about Christian resistance, you think about a guy like Francis Collins, a man of God who basically perpetuated that lie and that myth and even rewarded it with a $1.88 million grant, you have to ask the question, at what point does your integrity say, I have to speak the truth, even if it isn't popular? We have a mom in National City who called out a teacher of the year in San Diego County because she had evidence that this woman was grooming her child for sex she did the right thing and should be commended. Dr. Collins, on the other hand, had a PR disaster to deal with, but I don't think he handled it in a way that was honoring to God. Would love to get your thoughts on it, though. Drop me a line at thebottomlineshow.com, and let's uh, talk about it on a future program. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day. You've got Rabbi Schneider discovering the Jewish Jesus coming up next. For those who remain on the network, my monthly conversation with Stephanie Cover, the only personal injury attorney I will ever recommend here on The Bottom Line Show. By the way, if you don't have her name and number in your contacts, Stephanie with an F, Cover is in cover, 877-214-4935. My conversation with Stephanie Cover and more coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Well, welcome back to this, everyone, Wednesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. We still have a couple pair of tickets that we're giving away today for the uh, Bill Gaither concert that's coming up Saturday night, Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. We also have, I mean, if that weren't enough, we got stuff just oozing everywhere in terms of giveaways. Giveaways, giveaways, giveaways galore. Um, We've got uh, a a couple pair of tickets to the singles comedy event that's happening on Friday night um, out in Temecula and you can call and ask Crystal and she'll be happy to give you all the details if you are single in particular I mean it's sponsored by the singles ministry out there Um, we encourage you to take a look and uh, have a great time so comedy for Friday or the Gaithers for Saturday we've got your tickets 800-227-5278 800-227-5278 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, seven five two seven eight—the number to get you through to the bottom line. That, in addition to the multiple mega copies of Dr. James Spencer's book, we've just got so much stuff to give away today. You know, it's interesting. Um, what's happening on college campuses here in the People's Republic of California is worth noting, and I'm talking about mainstream. One's a UC, and one's a private university in particular. Uh, what's happening there is very important because there are a lot of people who have been talking a lot about free speech and especially in light of the movie um, Jesus Revolution, uh, which came out a couple weeks ago and is uh, surpassing expectations. I think they're up over $40 million now in ticket sales. And for Lionsgate, the company that's distributing them, uh, the movie is selling more tickets more quickly, even I mean, it, than any movie they've released since 2019. Of course, in 2018, they did I Can Only Imagine, and that just skyrocketed. But since that time, post-pandemic, if you will, this is what we're looking at is, I mean, some really good numbers. But the one recurring theme in that is that there were high school and college age students who were looking for something. They were definitely looking for love. They were looking for um, acceptance. They were looking for freedom to speak their minds, but they wanted a higher purpose. And when you think about what happened in the 1960s with the free speech movement, basically born at UC Berkeley, and now so many college campuses are underwrapped, this is really awful. Um, U.S. Circuit District Court Judge Kyle Duncan was invited to speak at Stanford last week. And uh, Charlie Kirk from Turning Point USA was invited to speak at UC Davis. That, that happened yesterday. Both of these events wound up turning out to be kind of disasters PR-wise for both universities, simply because the student body there decided, or a vocal minority of students there, decided that these two people, Judge Duncan and uh, Charlie Kirk, were harmful because they held conservative viewpoints, Judge Duncan was trying to speak to a group of law students at Stanford Law, and they started doing the whole clap back. We're going to talk. We're going to snap. You know all those things that uh, that are very popular among communists and socialists. And the dean of Stanford Law School, Jenny Martinez, wound up getting the same type of treatment. And initially, she was the one who kind of condoned all this, but when she was uh, basically then kind of, you know, donors stepped in because it was Stanford, private university. She should have written apology to Judge Duncan. And for doing so, when she left her class this week, hundreds of students wearing all black, wearing masks over their faces, stood around her chanting, Counter speech is free speech. They literally did what they call like a walk of shame. She left her classroom and the entire hallway leaving the classroom out of the building was lined with students from stanford very few there was one student actually went on fox news and talked with martha mccallum about it and said yeah this is nuts but if you can imagine the prestigious stanford university law school and students there behaving like that this is best in the brightest uh, you know people who have gone to Stanford. I have a couple of uh, family friends who've had their sons wind up going to Stanford for different reasons. One engineering. I think they're both engineering. but And one from a strong Christian background, one from a secular background. Uh, Stanford is no slouch school. So to see these students acting in this way. And the same thing with, with Charlie Kirk's trying to get me. He's invited every time Turning Point USA is invited to a college campus, it seems. It's a conservative group that invites them to a uh, you know secular deal. And next thing you know, what happened last night was amazing. Uh, Police and students attending the event were assaulted. One officer was injured. The protesters smashed windows, hurled eggs, and actually used pepper spray to attack the people at the University Credit Union Center and those who wanted to hear Charlie Kirk. And the thing they were complaining about the most was the fact that he's conservative, and he might say something that Well, might not sound right to them. A poll was released in 2021, the College Free Speech Rankings. They questioned a body of about 37,000 students at 159 U.S. colleges and universities. They found that 66% of college students on campus today believe that shouting down a speaker to stop them from speaking is actually a legitimate form of free speech. Another 23% believe that violence can and should be used to cancel a speech. In other words, one out of every four college students today actually believes that violence should be used to protect their free speech at the risk of having to hear somebody else. Now, I mentioned the Jesus Revolution movie and the Jesus People Movement. Uh, Kelsey Grammer was a star in that movie. Uh, He's played... Pastor Chuck Smith. It's all about kind of the birth of the Calvary Chapel movement. And one of the things that I think is so interesting about this movie is that uh, the the fact that there were young people who were looking for something, no question about it. Part of the reason Mike Greg Laurie admits that he and his wife Kathy used to go to these parties where people used to take drugs is they were trying to get this higher consciousness. You know, they wanted to find what the, the real source of truth was. And when they discovered it in the form of, in the person of Jesus Christ, it launched a revolution, and like Kelsey Grammer said uh, in one of the interviews I watched, he said, "You know, here's the thing about Jesus. Everybody was saying, you know, to drop out, tune in, take drugs, you know, listen to music, you know, do whatever, experience, you know, the the ultimate experience. But the only one, they all wanted peace and love and harmony and unity. The only movement that actually delivered on that promise was the Jesus movement." Now, I say that all to set up our next uh, interview segment because my guest in studio for the next 15 minutes or so is Stephanie Cover, the only personal injury attorney I'll ever recommend. Stephanie is just, I mean, she's tough as nails when it comes to uh, prosecuting and, uh, well, not persecuting, uh, pursuing justice when it comes to a personal injury case, whether it's a car accident, a slip and fall, dog bite, whatever it is. But Jim, uh, Jim Cover and his wife, Stephanie Cover, are passionate Christians as well. And when Jesus Revolution first came out, Lisa and I had gone to see it on the weekend. Jim and Stephanie texted us a couple days later saying, have you seen this movie? It's amazing. And so I asked Stephanie to come in. We're going to talk about law, of course, but also to talk about the Jesus Revolution movie and why revival seems to be at hand. Uh, that conversation with Stephanie Cover coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. 800 696 9970 or visit kbrightradio.com slash wilson financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services for simply better alternatives. Joining me in studio today here on the bottom line, a special conversation it always is with Stephanie Cover of Cover Law, the only personal injury attorney I will ever. You notice i moved from the only one I've ever recommended <laughs> to the only one I ever will. If any other personal injury Thank law you. specialist wants to advertise to the bottom line, I love you in the Lord, but no. Mm. <laughs> just, it's not going to happen. It's Stephanie Cover. Stephanie with an F, Cover is in cover, 877-214-4935. We're going to kbrightradio.com forward slash Cover Law. Stephanie Cover, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show.
4: Thank you very much for having me, Roger. I
0: got the neatest text from you and Jim about a week ago after you had gone to see Jesus Revolution. And I know we're yes. going to talk about personal injury stuff in just a moment, but I want to talk about the movie and get your take on it because it is such a huge part of the Southern California Christianity yes. and the Jesus Movement. How, how did it strike you and Jim? I mean, what was it like?
4: Oh, um, it, was, it was amazing. Um, I'm sorry. That's all right. One of the first Christian churches I ever went to with my husband was Chuck Smith's Church. Really? Yeah. Okay. okay. So that kind of brought a little bit of history there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was really nice to see... Um, how the character was portrayed.
0: Wasn't and Kelsey Grammer amazing? Yes. I remember seeing when they were first announced that the movie was going to be made, and I think the comedian Jim Gaffigan was going to play Chuck Smith originally. Oh, really? And I thought, that's weird. I mean, he's kind of bald. You know? <laughs> but other than that, unless he really wanted to do it, because you know sometimes actors in the mainstream will want to do these faith right. projects because of whatever. And then I saw that Kelsey Grammer had replaced him, and I went, okay, that's even more of a left turn. That's really strange. But when Lisa and I watched it, I think we saw it about the same time you and Jim did. We both had the same wow reaction, like, oh, my gosh, he totally embodies it. And in all of the interviews we've seen, the fact that this movie was transformational for him. Yes. You know, that the Pirate's Cove scene with all the baptisms. There were crew members who were hired there who weren't Christians, who went and got baptized during Uh, that sequence. You know, there's a lot of real authenticity there. But I love what Kelsey Grammer said about there were so many movements in the 60s. They were all trying to get people to a higher consciousness or, you know, loving, or there's war and drugs, whatever. And these young people really were searching. I mean, the whole drug culture, they really were searching. And the fact that he said, Jesus is the only one who delivered on that promise. And he said, you can't deny it. You can't escape it. He goes, and I'm not going to be embarrassed about that. And I was like, well, all right, Kelsey Grammer. I mean, wouldn't have taken him as a man of Christian faith, but uh, you could tell in, with the warmth he brought to Papa Chuck. I think it was beautiful.
4: Yeah, I heard an interview with him, and and he started to cry and said that was the best mm-hmm. part he ever played in his life.
0: Mm-hmm. And the timing of it—I mean, the fact that he Dennis Quaid had a similar experience with Soul Surfer, where he and his wife had gone through a thing where they almost lost one of their kids, and they saw Bethany Hamilton on the Today Show, and they both said, "We need to be in this movie." And with Kelsey Grammer, he was at a retreat with some guys. He at three o'clock in the morning, he's praying, Lord, I want the next thing I do has to be meaningful. He said, literally that morning, the script showed up in his email box. And it's, it's, I said, okay, well, I didn't think you were going to answer that fast, you know, but, <laughs> but he did. And I just, I, I love the way he was moved. I have a personal story about Papa Chuck. I, I worked on the Word for Today program for a couple of years. Oh, so I mean, I kind of okay. have that connection. Oh, nice. So I didn't interact with him directly. But it kind of is germane to what we talk about here when Stephanie Cover's here. When Chuck had a stroke, I believe, shortly before he had lung cancer and mm-hmm. before his earthly life ended. And he was a tested rehab hospital. And my sister was his rehab nurse. And she said it was so sweet with Kay coming by and with family members and stuff. But she said, you know, you really find out who a person is when they've been injured or when they're in a medical situation and they're facing their own mortality. And she said it was just so refreshing to know that Chuck Smith in the pulpit was the same guy as Chuck Smith in the hospital bed he was uh-huh. just kind and gracious and and he he was just you know when you're telling him okay it's time for you to do your rehab now you got to get up and walk 25 minutes or something he was just he was he was all about it and i thought isn't that wonderful but i also love the fact too that even a guy like chuck smith when he was hurt when he had medical issues said i got to take care of this body let's get the surgery let's get the chemo yeah. let's do whatever and i know that's a huge part of your ministry as well as your business with cover law is the fact that when people are Involved in a personal injury case, we really do have a spiritual obligation before God to get things right with our bodies.
4: Yes, of course. Yeah, and, and I just want to talk about what I loved about the movie because the world right now is so upside down. Yeah, and the only way to change things is through the Lord. Amen. And I really believe revival's coming. Oh yeah. And so. T- what this movie was really good for in so many ways is that it showed that um, the culture was some people were having a hard time accepting the hippies because they didn't look and act and have a history of them. Right. They, and Chuck Smith demonstrated that Jesus loves everyone. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he showed that love and how it spreaded and it showed how all the... What's still going on in the world is people, children are lost. They're looking for that connection with the Lord and don't even realize it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the movie demonstrated how all that confusion comes together in Christ and how it changes everyone for the best. Yes, And they're talking about the coming revival. I know it's through the colleges, but I also heard and we'll see if it's true or not, that it's going to also come to people who have a bunch of tattoos on them and a bunch of piercings and things like that. And I've heard people say, okay, church people, these are the hippies. Mm -hmm. Are you going to accept them? Because they'll have the Holy Spirit on them or not. Mm -hmm. So it's a good reflection of what happened and what's to come because Jesus is The only way, the truth, and the life.
0: Amen, amen. And that's the beautiful thing about the gospel message. And I I can't stress enough, when you contact Stephanie Cover with Cover Law, Stephanie knows the law, obviously. She and her husband, Jim, passed the bar. They went through all law school. They stayed up late cramming (laughs) and doing all those tests. They've been practicing law together. I mean, well, you have more than 25 years. You guys combined over 50, right, easily, I mean, in terms of your experience. But to have somebody who has a heart for mission and ministry, and knows the law. I can't stress enough how important it is when you have a personal injury case to have somebody who has both. Because I know too many people. I've had a couple of cases long before I met you guys and I wish I could go back and have used you instead of them. I I I was uh, summoned in a case where it was a three car accident. I was in front, the woman in the middle got pushed into my car. She was a Hollywood producer and so she hired a personal injury attorney. And mm-hmm. so this guy said, Would you give me a statement, kind of a deposition, and I can get you a few bucks? And I went, Oh, okay, that's fine. I mean, I went ahead and did it. What we didn't talk about morals. We didn't talk about, you know, the what, what was behind this. I mean, for Christians who get involved in personal injury law, we look at the lawyer and say, Well, they know the law. So it's the law and money and that about it. But the way you mm. practice, yeah, I know Stephanie's trick away like, mm-mm, 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 that's not, if we had the cameras rolling, you would have seen a big grimace and a shaking of the head from Stephanie Koffer. There is a spiritual side of this that's biblical that says personal entry, personal entry law is probably one of the most biblical forms of law to be practiced. Talk about what that means, what, what you mean by that.
4: Well, it's how you treat the people. Mm-hmm. It's how you treat the opposing side. Mm-hmm. It's how you you are respected with the court. I mean, it's it's character, yeah. And people can see character, um, and there are there are attorneys who are just regular people who will d- do things to cheat their clients to flip a case really quick because it's fast money, right? And um, because for an attorney, the longer they spend on a case, generally it's less money for them. So mm-hmm. a lot of them try to flip it right away, but. But I have to make sure that the person's well.
0: Right, right. Because this is about, we talk a lot with Stephanie Cover of Cover Law about restitution. Yeah. And restitution is not money gouging. Pay no attention to those billboards you see where they talk about all the zeros and how much money you're going to get out of a case. It's not about that. It's about how much time did you lose? What were your medical costs? If a car was involved, you know, what about that? What about PTSD if you got bit by a dog? I mean, there are so many things that go into it, and it's biblical to say, how do we replace that? And you have the task of trying to measure that against the laws of wherever it was and against insurance policies, and I, what a nightmare. I mean, thank you for doing this, Stephanie Kover, because I know for me personally, I'd get lost in the weeds, but you know how to see those needles in the haystack and say, wait, this is where the case is really going, and I have to be an advocate for my client first Yes, and yeah. A
4: lot of attorneys don't get to know their clients because um, they don't really talk to them. as minimal context. Mm. And uh, I need to know who they are so I understand how to advocate for them. Right. And if you don't really know who the person is and you just know a generic fact pattern, mm-hmm. that's terrible. Mm. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
0: it really You're is. You're
4: really not looking at the person and it's the person that was hurt, and that's the person you have to work
0: with. Mm -hmm. There's a soul, and the body got damaged, but the soul is the one who is being attacked by the attorneys, the insurance companies, sustained the loss, the damage, and has to process all of this. Uh, You mentioned the timing, and I I appreciate you saying that because I'm sure there are a lot of attorneys who say, how can I get this done quickly? A couple of billable hours, but I can get a big settlement, so minimal investment, high return. I don't want this case to go on for a year or so because look at all those billable hours that I'm not going to get paid for. You know, just in a strictly that doesn't sense. But it is kind of a hurry up and wait because when you do get hurt, for whatever reason, if it's car, dog bite, just slip and fall at work or whatever, you have to get in and get care right away. And more and more doctors, because of the way medical care has gone, are taking their, I don't want to say taking their jolly sweet time, they may not have the capacity to see you right away. I might get hit on a Tuesday And they'll say, come back in three weeks or four weeks for your appointment. That's the first availability I have. How do you respond when someone says, I'm trying to go see the doctor, Stephanie, but they just don't have any availability?
4: Well, I would say go to your urgent care. Mm, Okay. Now, your urgent care is not going to be as well as your doctor. Um, But sometimes people need muscle relaxers Mm -hmm. or some people need confirmation that it's not an emergency. And that is definitely the right step. Mm -hmm. Uh, If... Usually if you call your doctor and say, hey, I went to the urgent care and I'm in a lot of pain, can you see me? They'll make the time.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, In other words, be an advocate advocate for yourself.
4: Yeah, you have to.
0: Don't just let the system tell you what's going to happen. I know last summer when I had pneumonia and also had a side order of COVID to go along with it, we went to an urgent care that was attached to a hospital. Mm -hmm. And the reason was just that. I needed someone to see me right away. I couldn't breathe very well. I mean, I had a lot of irritation in my throat. So there was that immediate thing. But I didn't want to go. If I'd gone to my regular general practitioner, they might have said, we might have availability today. Or they might have said, doctor's on vacation this week. Come back next week. I didn't have a week. You know, and that was just for pneumonia. So in a case of personal injury, you're saying, hey, be a squeaky wheel, you know, and uh, find out where that grease is. I mean, Yeah, (laughs) you have to.
4: You have to be an advocate for yourself. Mm. Um, Just think, what if that was your grandkid or your son or your daughter? You would be calling that doctor up and saying, they really need to see you. So you need to do that for yourself.
0: Right. 877-214-4935 is the number to call for Stephanie Cover of Cover Law. Stephanie with an F and Cover as in Cover. You can also reach out at kbrightradio.com forward slash Cover Law. Make sure you have all that contact info in your phone, in your mobile device, because when you need it, you need to... Move quickly, and then p- be prepared to do this for the long haul. Stephanie, we got about sixty seconds in our time together. Talk about why that hurry up and wait mentality—it's a reality, but it's essential if you're going to have success in a case like this.
4: Well, you have to get the right foundation done, the the right person there, the the property damage taken care of, the doctor seen, and have everything set up, and so the the opponent knows that that. You're doing all the right things so they can't push you around. Right, right. You know, and it's just, for me, it's a, a taking care of the person.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm going to
4: relate this to the Jesus Revolution. Yes, yes. The One of the main things that I did was, after seeing the Jesus Revolution is I reached out to people who are non believers. Mm. And I told them this is an amazing movie, uh, it's part of history of Southern California. Mm-hmm. Um, I really think you'd be interested in it um, because it's a great tool for that. It's it's not a way of some people have a deaf ear to the truth, mm-hmm. but if they see it through a movie um, and see how the change of the Holy Spirit and the characters of the people,
0: mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. Um, I know that the people I send it to are looking for that change.
0: Yes, absolutely. People are. And at the end of the day, as you mentioned uh, so concisely and, and succinctly at the beginning of our conversation, Stephanie Cover, when you get right down to it, the love of Christ is available for all. Yes. The question is not so much, did God so love the world that he came for Stephanie and Roger, <laughs> but not for the other people who cut them off on mm-hmm. the road. But rather, he, the, the gift is there for everyone. The question is, what are you going to do with it? Exactly. And that's what everybody is. So a movie like Jesus Revolution, the question, I mean, the expertise that you have as a personal injury attorney is there for anyone who needs it. The question is, are they going to pick up the phone and call you? Or are they okay. going to trust the other guy's insurance company and hope it works out okay? And quite frankly, we're lazy. You know, we I, I don't want to have to go through all that hassle. But here's the thing. Stephanie does the hassle work for you. That's why you contact her. Yes. And that, that's kind of you're a professional house hassle work person.
4: People, I always tell people, focus on getting better mm-hmm. and I'll do all the other stuff.
0: There you go. There you go. So it's a team effort. Yes, it is. It certainly is. is. Stephanie with an F. Cover is in cover. 877-214-4935. Stephanie Cover, the only personal injury attorney I will ever recommend. Our 10-minute our conversations are turning into half hours, but it's great because I think God's all over it. And I'm very grateful for you and for Jim and the partnership that we have. Oh, Stephanie Cover. thank you for being with us today here on The Bottom Line.
4: Roger, it's always a pleasure. It's been a blessing. Thank you.
0: Oh, such an honor and privilege to always have stephanie cover in studio with us and today no exception uh thanks for being with us today stephanie and uh really appreciate that by the way if you don't have her name and number in your contacts you could get the ball rolling simply by going to kbrightradio.com forward slash cover law some final thoughts in just a moment as the bottom line continues you know the old expression a picture is worth a thousand words well if you're an expectant mom and you go to a pregnancy health center that is in partnership with Preborn, one picture can say way more than that and that picture i'm talking about is an ultrasound Sound picture. Every donation that goes to Preborn goes to providing ultrasounds for women who are expecting children, and they want to know what all of their options are. When you call 833-850-BABY right now, you give a gift of $28 that provides one ultrasound. But if you give a gift toward the purchase of an ultrasound machine, now that's a $15,000 investment. But every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts a minimum of 10 years. That's 2,500 ultrasounds available to women right now. Think of all the babies, thousands of babies' lives that will be saved by your donation to Preborn right now. Call 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Make your best donation right now. $50, $100. Maybe you want to give $15,000. It's completely tax deductible. We've had a couple of bottom line listeners step up and do just that. 833-850-BABY. 833 850 B-A-B-Y. That's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn right now. My thanks again to Stephanie Cover for joining us today here in studio here on the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. It's always great to get time with uh, Stephanie and I've appreciated our friendship that's grown over the past five, six years that she has been uh, part of the sponsorship team here at the Bottom Line Show, but it goes beyond that. I mean, whether it's Dennis Wilson and his wife Kathy, uh, Lisa and I got to get dinner with them about a month ago for the first time in quite some time we've all been kind of busy and jim and stephanie cover i mean we just it's it's family here and their heart for ministry and mission is so crucial and yet the cases that stephanie is is being led to and are being led to her i think are important um the whole issue of personal injury law is about restitution it's about restoring what's right it basically finds its foundation in the old testament where you see a lot of levitical laws you know about um you know, here's the you know, if, if if back in the agrarian times, if your ox accidentally gores another ox, then you have to work out a way to you know make it right. If you get injured while you're working with someone, you know, the old uh, axe handle falls off. I mean, they, they had all sorts of ways for doing it, but it was all based on restitution. If you injure someone and they're not able to work, then you have to find a way to make up the difference in their wages. And personal injury law, the way Stephanie Cover practices it, practices it, it's the same thing. It's the same deal. And that's why I appreciate that we have someone like that to be an advocate for us. Uh, 95% of her cases never go to trial. They don't have to because she does the foundation work for you. But you have to call the minute the accident happens, the minute you slip and fall, the minute you get in the car wreck, the minute you get bit by the dog, call Stephanie Cover. And it does become a hurry up and wait situation, I realize. But the good news is you have someone who cares about your physical needs, but also about your spiritual needs as well. That is good news. And that's the bottom line.